Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Paul Harris, the CEO CTO for Aurora Multimedia Corporation. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know how crazy it gets. And you, you're right now in sort of a, a brief break between trade shows and conventions and building up those frequent flyer miles that I know you love earning so much. Tell me um, how you found yourself in this spot. Uh, what is it about um, computers and electronics and pro AV? What is it about that that resonates with you? Well, you know, we all have our things to do in life. Some people become a uh, baseball player. Some become a football player. And apparently somehow I became an audiovisual uh, engineer slash inventor. So uh, I guess we all have our own things as we grow up. But uh, electronics always just fascinated me um, since I was a little tiny kid. Could just write code, design things, and it just came fairly easy. And the right circumstances, audio video fell into that realm and... Here I am, uh, you know, doing my thing, coming up with different designs and uh, putting them out there. Now, I want to brag on you for just a minute because I happen to know that you worked early on with Pioneer on a tuner and you were in on the ground floor when HDMI cards started to, to come into existence. Does that just feel natural to you? Did it make total sense to you to be, well, of course I'm working on this thing? Or do you look back and think, wow, that was kind of a surprise? Uh, you know, like, like everything else, opportunity of many times with uh, any type of company sometimes just comes into play by accident. And it uh, that's one of those things where it was just opportunity uh, between uh, me and another person. Uh, his name was Josh. From Pioneer, uh, we were at a trade show, Infocom. Guy's coming by in his loud shirt because he likes to wear those Hawaiian shirts and sees what we're doing and says, hey, can you put that in a card? And I said, sure, why not? And next thing you know, that relationship and friendship began, and we started making a lot of uh, third-party cards together for the Pioneer uh, Plasma, which at the time was pretty revolutionary because no one had ever done a third-party card slot for a major company like that. Um, so it was actually kind of a privilege and it was very fun. Uh, actually we, we developed the first card. I think it was in like four months. So it went pretty quick, but, uh, the tuner card or we call in New York tuna instead of tuner, because we like to slur, slang and slur some of our speech, um, was one of the first uh, products that we made. And, uh, it may sound simple, but at the time when People come out with a flat screen display. They put nothing in it, no bells and whistles. So if you wanted it, you needed some way to make it fit in there. So uh, it was quite the opportunity because back then they were selling these displays for $30,000 each. So a $1,000 tuner was a pretty good day for us, especially when you're selling thousands of those things. So it was a pretty nice uh, opportunity. As far as HDMI goes, uh, when HDMI came out about 2003, 2004, uh, we were one of the first adopters for it. Um, we didn't do it because we thought it was some great innovation that was going to lead the way. I wish I could say I had this great foresight. They just wanted it for their display. We got to develop a card with it and uh, got our first taste of HDMI, for better or for worse. Um, back then, it had a lot of hiccups in it, and we found those out the hard way. Um, but we also saw that this was going to take root into the industry. Now, you had the distinction of being one of the first to develop a non-proprietary, non-platform specific 
control system. And I think I would not be insulting you if I said you epitomize the spirit of a hacker. And by that, I, I mean that in the respectful use of that word. You have a tendency to look at things as they are and think, huh, I think I can make that better. Or, huh, how come this doesn't do that? And then you set about figuring out how to make something do more than what it was meant to do. That's got to be really freeing in your line of work to always be thinking about how you can improve something. Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of been my MO is uh, I think it's too boring and it does nothing for the industry when people copy what we call reference designs. So what a lot of people don't realize is there's uh, semiconductors out there and a lot of the manufacturers uh, who make these silicon tell you what it's supposed to do. And so they make these reference design kits to show off what the capability of those chipsets do. And the industry has a bad habit of just literally copying it, putting it in their version of a box, maybe their version of a connector, uh, and they throw it out there. And don't get me wrong, there's a business model behind it. It can get you quick to market quick. But really what ends up happening is you end up with about 20 manufacturers with exactly the same product, just a different silk screen, different shape box, but they all basically do the same thing. To me, I've always looked at that as very non-innovative. I've looked at it as in some ways hurting the industry because you're really just selling the same thing and you're competing based on just simply price point more so than what the capability of the system is and what, what it can do to make a difference. So usually when I look at these things, I try not to do what the reference design does. I tend to do something that goes outside the box that you look at the applications of what people want, whether they're a integrator, an end user, or a consultant. And you give them what they need, not what just we tell them to do. And so that's where a lot of this comes from. And so we try to find a way to build upon that platform and do things that actually make a difference for the application and not just for the chipset's capabilities. And I, and I find that's really important doing things like that. So that's really a big part of our company is not just making a product that everybody else makes. It's making a product that makes a difference and shows us a better way of doing it. And that's what real competition is about. That's what making a difference in the industry is about, is thinking outside the box and showing people that there's another way to do it. And not just another way, but a better way of doing it. And that makes a difference. That makes results. One of your strong suits, uh, of which there are many, but one of the things you really have a tendency to excel at is integration of multiple standards, whether they be uh, IP or even uh, USB connections, it seems to be that the concept of communication protocols is really something that you're very comfortable just walking around in that space. Talk to me about that mindset. Well, everybody's always trying to advance the protocols. I mean, right now I'm working on some projects, uh, as a matter of fact, with USB. And uh, even, I mean, something as simple as USB has turned complex. If you actually look at USB, people don't appreciate some of the complexities behind things. So like, let's take USB 3.0 or 3.1 with the Type-C connector. That's not just some simple connection. That thing delivers like almost 100 watts of power. It delivers DisplayPort. It delivers backward compatibility to USB, uh, to, to USB 2.0. Uh, it delivers PCI Express. So, I mean, this one little tiny connector, which is also reversible, went to the next level 
but yet added a whole layer of complexity that has to be dealt with. The key is to really just keep on top of these things. I mean, the person who stays on top of it and, and looks to utilize those technologies usually tends to win. You know, the the concept of how something is communicated can sometimes be as important as what is being communicated. And something that's really dependent on a healthy transfer protocol and on a robust uh, data stream is AV over IP, which is something I know you've had your eye on lately. Oh, not lately. For years now. Um, we That's where the whole market is headed. And inevitably, everything will be over IP. It makes sense. There's challenges to overcome. And as we've proven there's a better ways of doing it. So we've introduced, uh, I'm proud to say, we've introduced a lot of industry firsts that some people are aware of, many people are not, but um, we developed one of the first 10 gig solutions in conjunction with uh, OptoVision, who's now Semtech. But once again, we didn't just settle with their reference design. So we made the first wall plate version of it. We made the first transceiver of it. Uh, we've made, and actually we're still the only people who do that. Uh, we were the first people to ever take Dante and uh, AES67 and merge it into combinations with video standards. Uh, that's actually catching on because we're seeing some of our competitors do that now. But uh, we actually did that over three years ago. So that was uh, pretty cool to be one of the first people to start that trend that you're seeing now. Um, PoE over 10 gig. No one ever did it before, and yet we're still the only ones doing it. And Netgear and Huawei now release switches that do 10 gig uh, PoE, and they had to use our product to even test it because there was no one out there that they could test it with. So sometimes you got to be on the bleeding edge in order to uh, to make things happen. So why is something as simple as a 10 gig PoE important? Because it simplifies the install. It's one less power supply, and you're doing it with one gig anyway, so why not with 10 gig? So somebody's got to do it. It's a chicken and an egg thing. It's got to start somewhere if somebody's to take hold and to actually make it happen. So, um, you know, we made that happen. So uh, that was another example of something new and innovative that we've done. Uh, Eight-channel surround sound, Dante, is another innovation that we've recently introduced as well. Um, it goes on and on, but there's, we're always trying to introduce things that no one's ever done before um, just to lead the way, to show that, as I said, there's always a better way of doing things and you don't have to become a complicit or complacent for that matter. Well, somebody's got to be the boldest in the industry and why not you, right? I, I like to think that. <laughs> as someone who's always looking ha at a way to improve things, that means that you kind of have your vision turned to challenges off in the distance. What other challenges do you see that the industry is facing right now? Well, right now, well, one of the biggest things right now is the AV over IP. I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, for the most part, things are straightforward of what's going on, but things aren't that straightforward. There's, there's a bigger battle coming down the pipeline as things truly settle themselves. Uh, also thought process. People seem to think that it's all about one thing's better than the other. And it's really not about that. It's really about what's right for the application. So for example, if you're doing local infrastructure and you're trying to do 4K 60, 444 or higher, 10 gig is where it's at. Uh, you're doing something lower than that? Well, then one gig can suffice just well to do the application at a lower uh, price point. You're doing um, video distribution in, uh, in like a restaurant chain? one gig, nice and expensive, low power, does the job, doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be super, super low latency, but once again, very effective. You want to send something halfway around the world or record something, 
you're not going to use a one gig or a 10 gig too much bandwidth got to use an h265 or an h264 so there's always a compromise to be made based on what the application uh, dictates and in this case what we're trying to show with the products that we make is that it's not about having the one gig or the 10 gig or the 10 100 better than the other because of whatever technique it's really about utilizing and integrating them so they look like they're synergized with each other, so that they look like they're sharing a common um, interface and a common way of doing things, even though yet they are not really compatible with each other. That's why we actually created IP-based T. That was the whole premise behind it, was to take standards that normally do not work together and to create the illusion of synergy between them. And that's really what's starting to take place. So conceptually, even though everybody might not call it IP-based T, such as we do, um, it's taking hold in other ways because people are starting to mix standards as they see what we're doing makes a lot of sense. So that's why, for example, you do mix Dante with a video stream is for that reason, because you can take the low bandwidth audio, mix it in with a separate Dante processor while still streaming the video with the audio embedded into it into the regular infrastructure. So, so it all does make sense in its own way. It's just that it takes time for people to understand new concepts and to be educated on other ways of doing things rather than just what they've been taught to do. Well, as these technologies continue to evolve and become more powerful, but at the same time become simpler to deploy, it seems like the natural progression is to be as modular as possible which then allows easier upgrades in the future when something stronger, better, faster comes along. You can just unplug what you're using now and plug in the new one. And those standardized uh, communication protocols are going to be even more important as we move ahead, aren't they? Uh, standardization is always a good thing. Um, it's all what you do with it. Uh, as I tell everybody, you know, there's no such thing really as a standard. What, what really there is, is a popularity contest. Popularity wins, not standard its organizations. Uh, HDMI is great proof of that right off the bat. I mean, they're, they're a standard by popularity, but originally VESA was the one who was a standards organization, was the one who introduced DisplayPort. HDMI did a much better job of selling it into the market than uh, DisplayPort did. That's why they dominate the majority of the market right now. Splitport's a great standard, just didn't market it well. Um, look at Apple. Apple's not a standard, but yet it dominated the market for the longest time until Android came around. And Android by no means is a standard either, but they become standards because of popularity. So ultimately, popularity creates standardizations at the end of the day. But having a good um, definition, regardless of whether you're officially the standard by an organization or not, is important. And that's what ends, that's what counts at the end of the day is, is that material available and what can you do with that material? Uh, I'm a firm believer that it's not necessarily up to the manufacturer to tell people what you want them to do. People want choice. I mean, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Uh, I know uh, Steve Jobs was praised at one time for uh, how he innovated uh, the smartphone market and how he his philosophy was showing people what they need and not letting them determine that. And the problem, if you really look at it, is if that was the case, then why does Android now dominate the market? At the time, it made sense because the competition really wasn't there. But if you actually look at it, Google came along, they made Android. First iteration and second iteration weren't exactly the best, but after a little bit of time, it kept getting better and better. 
And the reason why uh, the iPhone lost the majority of the market to the Android market was simply choice. People got to choose what they wanted. They can have a big phone, a small phone, an ugly phone, a, a cool looking phone with curves on it. They can have one with a huge camera on it, one without a camera. They, they, could, they, they had so much choice from so many different manufacturers. So the proof is in the pudding. It, the, the people have shown that, yeah, on one hand, they need to see what the innovation is to see where they could take it, but they like variety. They like identity. They like to be different. They like to have choice. And that's, I think, what was missed along the way when people were getting credit for certain things that they did. They were getting more of the credit because it was the first thing that really did what it did. But no one really knew just how much people wanted more than just that. They wanted really to go beyond that. And that's kind of the philosophy that we follow is a little bit more of that where give people choice. Give people the way to see that there's a way of doing something in a different way. And if you don't like our way, there's another company out there who might do it a slightly different way that suits their needs a little bit better. But the, the cool thing is they have choice. Well, I believe that if you continue to establish these standards that you are, standards of quality and standards of innovation, that you're going to have to start dealing with the popularity that comes along with that. I believe in you. I think you'll be able to handle that. I don't think your ego is going to get in the way. Although, I will be able to say, I knew you win. So I'm just, I'm totally going to use that to get into any club or any party that I'm just going to start dropping your name, Is if that's okay, if that's cool with you. Hey, if that works, let me know so I can start doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Today, I've had a pleasure of having a conversation with Paul Harris, the CEO, CTO for Aurora Multimedia Corporation. Paul, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I really do appreciate it. I look forward to having a chance to talk to you again in the future. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.